This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, the Brazilian bombshell. He is the captain. I'm neither Brazilian or a bombshell. I do not know who writes these things. Well, it's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for spending your time with me and the other guy. And thanks for telling a friend. Tonight, we are drinking Circuit Bohemian Pilsner by the powerful and big-hearted peeps over at Tin Man Brewing Company in Evansville, Indiana. Garage grade, three and a half bottle caps out of five. Circuit Bohemian Pilsner conducts a thrilling buzz to your senses with bright color, clarity, mild aroma, and energizing flavor. You have a mild aroma. (laughs) (laughs) And this fantastic Pilsner was brought to us by, first up, we have Marissa in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Next, we have Ellie in Manchester, Brittany in Phoenix, and Lynn B. from Spokane, Washington. Spokane, Washington. We have Lizette from Long Beach. She says, Captain, hit me up if you're single. Well, this is a true crime show, not a dating show. Next, we say hi to April in Aberdeen, South Dakota. We also have Katrina from Chicago. She says, try some Pipeworks Ninja vs. Unicorn. I've actually had that before. That's a fine, fine beer. Next, we get a hello from Barbara in Fresno who says she loves listening to Nick and the Nasty Captain. (laughs) What does that mean? I think she means you're funny. You're like a funny guy. I've never called a comedian nasty. Hey, Eddie Murphy, you nasty. You so nasty. And a big shout out to Nicholas from the Big Easy. Cheers, mates. We also have Karen in Massachusetts and Patrick in Southeast in Massachusetts. Thank you for the love, Patrick. We got Judith from Ontario and Jeffrey from Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. All right, we got any birthday shout outs? We do. We have a birthday shout out from Rachel to Rebecca in Illinois mm-hmm. and also Alexandra would like to wish her boyfriend a happy 30th on June 5th. All right. Cheers, mates. And uh, like your jib. Next up in Parts Unknown. Oh, we got more. We got more. Man, the beer fun is. All right. This is why you have to be patient, people. Because I, I don't want to read 500, you know, shout outs every show. Next up from Parts Unknown. Wait, we have an announcement from the town crier. The flag football signups are this weekend at the mess hall. There is a $50 sign-up fee, but you can wear whatever flags you want. So in Parts Unknown, we have Vanessa, Caroline, Jude, Laura, Alyssa, Patty, Nikki, and Andy. And just a reminder to everybody at Parts Unknown, when you take a shower in the communal showers, please close the curtains. We have some jibs flapping around. Gross. All right, that's enough of the business. For everything True Crime Garage, go to truecrimegarage.com. All right, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. And let's talk some true crime. 
This is True Crime Garage. And this is the case of the Delphi Murders. hours, of course, since they were reported missing. 13-year-olds Liberty German, Abigail Williams, last seen around 1 o'clock Monday afternoon near the Monon High Bridge, that abandoned rail bridge just outside of Delphi. Now, News 18's Brad Oppenheim joins us now live from Carroll County where that search continues at this hour. Brad? Jeff, like you said, Liberty German and Abigail Williams were last seen yesterday afternoon when they were dropped off near that bridge. Now, they had made arrangements to be picked up by family members later that afternoon, but they never showed up. Now, a staging area has been set up at the Delphi Fire Department, and since I've been here, I've seen hundreds of people come in and out of this staging area. We are told that volunteers will be sent out in groups where they will comb the area in efforts to find these two girls. I was able to actually catch up with Abigail Williams' mother, Anna Williams, and she says she is amazed by the outpouring of support from the community. I also spoke with the Carroll County Sheriff, Tope Lesenby, and he says they are working with officials on getting an Amber Alert issued. Just in the last couple hours, I have been at the staging area. I've seen and spoke from volunteers that don't even live in Carroll County, including one man from West Lafayette who came over and joined the search. He said he has a teenage daughter himself and wanted to do what he could to make sure those girls make it home safe. Well, as you heard in the trailer there, we have two missing girls. And this is a very popular case right now. It's, it's on the news. Maybe you've seen the billboards. But in Delphi, Indiana, there's been a homicide. There's been two homicides of teenage girls. And they went missing on Monday, February 13th. Later that week, the bodies are found. It's ruled a homicide. And they're looking for the guy or killers that committed these crimes. Now, the thing here is, this is actually very different from what we would normally cover. Mm -hmm. And I know it doesn't sound so different right away, but when I say February 13th, I mean February 13th, 2017. Usually we don't cover cases this recent. This is a very, not just ongoing investigation like we see in a lot of the cold cases that we've covered, mm -hmm. but this is an investigation that is is very hot right now. It's, it's, it's heated up. There's a massive nationwide search for a suspect. And there's a couple things that become pretty difficult for us to produce a show about this case. One, law enforcement's keeping a lot of things close to their vest. Um, that way, when they do have a suspect that they can charge, it'll be more likely that they can actually get a conviction. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's smart on law enforcement, but it's hard to produce a show. Right. Um, talking about this case. The other thing is there. So there's not a lot of evidence out there. There's a bunch of weird speculation, um, and there is nobody arrested yet. Correct. And this was a case that we were getting requests from all over the country to cover this thing late February. And this uh, is relatively close to us, uh, probably the biggest case in Midwest and right, we, right now. Yeah, and we kept talking about covering it because this is something we're incredibly passionate about. As the captain said, we're close to where this took place. Um, mm -hmm. This is an ongoing investigation that we've been keeping up with in the news mm -hmm. and trying to keep track of ourselves. The problem was we weren't really equipped to cover it in late February. There wasn't a whole lot of information out there. Now, we sit here in, in May, and maybe there's not that much more information that's been released since then, but we we feel an obligation to cover it at this time. They're They're hunting this guy. I believe they can find him, and we'd like to do our part. Yeah, and our part is just to you know, shed some light on this case, mm -hmm. put it in the, put it on the desk of some armchair detectives, talk about the timeline, talk about some theories, maybe some suspects, maybe somebody out there could add some value to the case. 
Well, let's start off with the timeline regarding the disappearance and investigation regarding the murders of young Liberty and Abigail um, to, pro- to provide you with a little bit of background. So this all starts on Monday of February 13th. This mm-hmm. is the Carroll County Schools. They only have a half day of school scheduled for this day. So only classes for the first half of the day because the rest of the day they've scheduled some teacher conferences and staff meetings. At 1 p.m., a family member drops off the girls at a trail near the Monin Bridge. Now, this is an abandoned railroad bridge over Deer Creek. Around 5.30 p.m., the girls fail to show up at a predetermined location to be picked up by a family member. The family looks for the girls, searching the immediate area. When they turn up nothing, the girls are then reported missing. So almost immediately, these two young girls are reported missing. That night, a large search effort involving volunteers and multiple law enforcement agencies, well, that's underway. They scour the area in an attempt to find Liberty and Abigail. The search is then called off due to darkness. And that's not, none of this is too weird at first, right? I mean, we've all been dropped off by a, a, you know, a parent. Maybe you and your friend are going to go to the mall. Maybe you're going to see a movie. Your parents are going to drop you off and we're going to meet, meet up at this time. Mm-hmm. Now, bef- the, before the age of cell phones, you know, that would be way different because you couldn't text if there was a, uh, you know, a chink in the plan. A snafu. Yeah. So this is pretty simple, though, but we have a gap of roughly four and a half hours. Yeah. The girls were going to go out and enjoy the weather that day. It was unseasonably warm for February in Indiana, and they were going to go out hiking for a while. They're supposed to be picked up at 530 p.m. They're nowhere to be found. So. Around midnight that night, the Carroll County Sheriff, this is Tobe Lazenby, mm-hmm. he says uh, that they are going to call off the search. You know, it's getting very dark out. At that time, they, they had no reason to expect or suspect foul play or believe that the girls were in any immediate danger. Now, their biggest concern at this point would be exposure to the elements because it is a February night. And even though the day was quite warm, it's going to get quite cold that night. And the girls were hiking just outside the town of Delphi, which has a very small population of 3,000. Smaller community. And even though that the search was called off around midnight, now some searchers lingered and it's believed that they were still searching the area until about 2.30 that morning. Now, Tuesday, February 14th, Early Tuesday morning, the search resumes with with teams of volunteers. They have police officers. Mm -hmm. The effort also includes canine units and dive teams. Around noon, searchers find two bodies. This is about a half mile to three quarters of a mile away from the bridge that they they were walking on, that they were dropped off nearby. Right. So let's just keep this clear. They're dropped off on Monday at roughly about 1 p.m. to go hiking. Mm Mm-hmm. People search Monday night. They can't find anybody. They don't find the girls. They come back Tuesday, and roughly in the afternoon, they find the bodies of the two girls. Yeah, it's right around noon on that Tuesday. Now at 2 p.m., this is a, a news conference takes place. This is all the authorities involved. You have the Carroll County Sheriff. You have the city of Delphi police chief and an Indiana state police official. They mm-hmm. announced the discovery of the bodies but they give no indication of their identities. They say for the first time that foul play is suspected in connection with the case. Uh, When pushed by media as to why foul play is expected, a public relations officer simply says they suspect foul play because the way the bodies were found, meaning just immediate obvious signs of, of foul play to those people that found the bodies. Right. And they're not releasing if there was any trauma what kind of wounds there were, right. if there were, if there were any wounds, if there was any sign of strangulation or anything, they're not releasing any of that. There's no specifics. Now I believe it was firefighters that may have found the bodies. And even though the sheriff and the state police do not immediately identify the found bodies, I believe when the firefighters radioed this in, they said, we found the missing girls and it's not good. At 4 p.m. on Tuesday, Delphi Community Schools Superintendent Gregory Bryles releases a statement saying that the bodies found in the afternoon are those of the two missing Delphi Community Middle School students. And despite no confirmation from police, he's stating that it's the two girls we were looking for. Bryles says that a grief counselor will be made available to students and staff, and he later says that school security will be stepped up. 
and all of the after school activities at Delphi Community Middle will be canceled for the remainder of the week. And a local Methodist church is going to hold a candlelight vigil. Again, at this point, law enforcement is not making the statements or the claims that these are the missing girls. Correct. Because on Wednesday, February 15th at 8 a.m., the autopsies are conducted in Terre Haute regarding the bodies discovered during Tuesday's search. Now, local law enforcement and authorities are going to hold a meeting afterwards. This is around 10 a.m. on Wednesday. Uh, Sergeant Riley with the Indiana State Police provides a brief update on the investigation. He says that the autopsies are complete, uh, but he declines to confirm the identities or discuss a suspect or person of interest in the case. He says police have received hundreds of tips from the community, and he advises parents to keep a close eye on their children and monitor their whereabouts. At 3 p.m. on that same day, Indiana State Police and the Carroll County Sheriff's Department hold a news conference confirming that the bodies found on Tuesday are those of Liberty and Abigail. They say the case is being investigated as a double homicide. They say they don't believe that there is any immediate danger to the community. That same night at 7 p.m., Indiana State Police release a photo of a man reportedly walking on the trail around the same time of the girl's disappearance. Now, they never say that this man is a suspect. They, they supplied a photo of the man, and right. they say, we would like to talk to this guy. We believe we have identified everyone that was walking in the area of the time when the girls went missing, but this guy was there around that time. We have not identified him. We would like to speak with him. We would like to find out if he has saw anything or maybe he might know something. Police say they want to talk to this individual, but again, not calling him a suspect. How how did they get the picture? We'll we'll get into that. On Thursday, February 16th at 6 p.m., the police set up a tip line for anyone with information regarding the case, and they can call Mm -hmm. 844-459-5786. That tip line is still working today. They say that they've had upwards of 250 tips so far at this point in the investigation. At 7.45 p.m., the Indiana State Police serve a search warrant in connection with the case at a home in Delphi, but no arrests are made. Well, this is not the only search that's going to take place. No, there's there's several search warrants that will be issued and executed um, because they're looking for people in the area, right? And we have one individual where his property, the the bodies are found on his property. They will conduct a search of his property as well as his home. Um, It was also misreported in the media that they had received multiple search warrants for this guy's property. Mm -hmm. When in fact it was other nearby properties that they were searching as well. That, That people, because this is a rural area, the media thought that this was still a continuation of his property, which, which it was not. Now there were several search warrants conducted, as we said, um, and all of these, none, no arrests are made at the time. There, there's one in particular that was, that, that we'll get to. Um, he's not arrested regarding crimes involving the murders or the disappearance of these girls. Um, but police keep reminding everyone that they should not be creating rumors or just because somebody is questioned or someone their property is searched, that that does not mean that they are a suspect in the double homicide. Mm-hmm. That there's they still have to conduct a certain level of police activity and sh- sheriff activity of other things that were going on before these crimes took place. Well, this is a lot harder to do in such a small community. Yeah, everybody's eyes are watching you. Now, on Saturday, February 18th, there is a public visitation for the girls. This is held at the Delphi High School. Now, Mm -hmm. on Sunday, we're going to see a little bit of shifting gears here in the investigation. On Sunday, February 19th, the Indiana State Police say that the man photographed walking along the trail Mm -hmm. around the times of the girls' disappearance is a suspect in their deaths. They, again, though, they do not know the identity of this man. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to post this picture on our Instagram. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, hey, I don't have Instagram, it's okay. Go to our website at truecrimegarage.com, and you'll actually see a, a, a page that has just the photos from our Instagram on it, and you can click on there to see the photograph of the man on the bridge. On Monday, February 20th, 
Police say they are conducting a statewide manhunt for the man seen in the photo and tell everyone to continue providing information via the hotline set up for tips in this case. The Carroll County prosecutor, he cautions Delphi residents not to harass, bother, or accuse anyone, especially those who live at a home that was the subject of a search warrant that was served the previous week. Now, on Tuesday, February 21st, an official says that the teen's death could lead to security changes along the Monin High Bridge Trail. Now, this is they're going to possibly talk about installing security cameras and things like that. Mm-hmm. This is an area that, uh, while it was frequented by hike, hikers, it's also frequented by teenagers that are just kind of hanging out and you know doing what teenagers do. Now, on Wednesday, what's that? Um, you'd have to ask the teenagers. Well, and you're saying something that's pretty telling, as you were saying that. But hey, we might be we might have to beef up security on this this bridge and this these hiking paths, right? Mm-hmm. And we got to do so by adding a camera again. So how the hell did they get a picture of this guy? Well, that that's perfect because that leads us to what took place on Wednesday, on February twenty second. The investigators hold a news conference to update the status of the investigation. Police revealed that Liberty Germans she recorded video and audio of the suspect that they are seeking on her cell phone. The Indiana State Police releases an audio recording of a man's voice saying down the hill. Do you have a copy of that that we could hear? All right, so obviously that's not the best quality, and it's just a loop of a man saying down the hill, down Mm -hmm. the hill, and that's what the law enforcement is providing to the public. Correct. Now, we should assume that that's not the only audio clip that they have. That is just the clip that they decided to loop and give to the public. Yeah, they're, they're stating that, that Liberty or Libby uh, had video and audio on her phone. And the thing here is, like, like the captain said, we don't know how much video was recorded. We don't know how much audio was recorded. Did she simply hit the record button on, on her video? And or what pictures were taken either. Exactly. But at the same time, they announced that the audio is, is from the prime suspect in the Delphi double murder case. And authorities announced that a $41,000 reward for information leading to, a, to an arrest in the girl's murders, that that reward has started off pretty small. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's growing at this point. It's at 41000 back in February 22nd. Well, let's talk a little bit about the elephant in the room. Okay. okay. So did they find, so I'm, I'm assuming that law enforcement found Libby's phone and that's how they'd have this information. And then you'd think, well, if somebody attacked these girls, if this, you know, if it was murder, then this, you know, guy must've been, you know, pretty dumb to leave the cell phone. Well, there's, um, with them. There have been a lot of questions about Liberty's phone. You know, first off, how much audio and video was recorded? I have heard there is as little as six minutes. I have also heard that there may be more. As little than, as six minutes. Six minutes is a long time. It's quite a bit of time. But I've also heard that there may be more than 40 mm. minutes recorded. Yeah, that's that's a ridiculous amount of time. So there are reports saying that, that six minutes of audio tape contains the horrifying record of the homicide itself. Uh, So if this were true, the attack would have happened very quickly. But we do know that there was some video recorded right before the abduction. We're assuming this is where they got the the picture of the man walking on the bridge. Uh, We also know that there was some recording of of audio uh, that may have, you know, when he's saying down the hill, what kind of instruction is that? He's he's directing these girls somewhere. Is mm-hmm. it to a vehicle? Is it to a different location? Um, but I'm guessing that, that if I had to get, you know, we don't know how long her phone would have recorded before it before it died, you know. But mm-hmm. I'm guessing that, that we're thinking there is more audio and more video than just six minutes, in my opinion. But the other rumor is the question about the phone is, you know, where – where is this phone? Because at mm-hmm. five thirty p.m. and for several hours, Liberty's phone was pinging all over town. the The phone was not in her possession during this time, is what would make you think. Because 
where she disappeared is near where she's found. Well, you'd, but also it's such a rural area that you'd, you'd, I would just assume mm-hmm. that, you know, if you're in this, you know, you're hiking that maybe you'd, you'd be kind of pinging from all different locations and how, um, how much validity should I put on that? How much weight should I put on that? Mm-hmm. And, and well, and the thing here too, the fascinating question about the phone is whether or not it was recovered. You know, there's, there's a theory that Liberty's phone was not recovered and all of the audio and video was taken from the, from the iCloud the from right. Her so, so basically what happened was like, if you record a voice memo, Mm-hmm. on your phone and you have your cloud set up that it instantly goes to your cloud as well. Right. So what they're saying is, you know, and this is very important. I think for people to kind of wrap their head around, this is something you shouldn't spend a bunch of time on. Was the phone left or was it, you know, or what did, did the, did the killer take the phone? It doesn't matter. We have the information at least from the cloud. Right. Right. Well, let's go. Do you mind if I go through some options here? Because of, you know, what if it, sure. if it was not, if it was not recovered, um, you know, then the theory would be that there's only a few theories you could come up with, right? That Liberty got rid of her phone at some point. Maybe she threw it in the woods. Um, you know, she could have thrown it in the woods to, to avoid it being found by their abductor. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe somebody would find it later. Um, Again, her phone is pinging all over town for several hours during the search. Now, I've been told that this would be possible if the phone were in the woods or near the woods where the girls were abducted, um, that the phone pings. Um, look, it's not something that I'm going to pretend that I fully understand. So I'm just going to have to believe the person that told me that if the phone were in the woods or near the woods, it very likely could have pinged all over town. Mm-hmm. Um, this would make sense if the phone was in the woods, but it appears now, uh, possibly, you know, who knows where this thing was. The other Mm -hmm. idea is that the killer found Liberty's cell phone. Uh, so the killer either disposed of the phone, you know, threw it in the garbage or, or threw the phone in the river or destroyed it by smashing it to bits. And that's why it's never been found. Um, I think if the phone was not recovered, the killer probably did something with it. I think throwing it in the river might make the most sense. Right. Um, because he's hoping like to de- said, destroy whatever's on that phone. Right. Because the thought process here for this individual, and I, I would just assume this individual is in their mid 30s to 50, right? I'm just going to put that age range out there. And I would just assume that they thought, well, if let's say they saw Liberty use her phone. Mm hmm. And maybe said, oh, well, she pushed record. This guy might not understand how the phone actually works, but thinks, well, if I just throw it in the river, it destroyed and they'll never have the evidence. Right. Well, aha, we have this thing called the cloud. And this is where technology, you, you got to applaud technology at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because you can have your phone set up in a manner that it will immediately send information to the cloud. Well, and the reason why I was saying applaud technology is th- these might be the clues or the evidence that you have to present in, in, in a trial to lock this person up for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. Now on Thursday, February 23rd, the state police, they say that they've received 3,900 tips in the case with 1,900 of them coming in after the release of the audio recording. And then there's another donation. This is from a U.S. representative, Todd uh, Rokita, uh, he donates, his office donates 9000 So now the reward amount is now $50,000. Yeah, but the Indianapolis Colts, they, they donated some money as well, right? Yes, yeah. The, the reward in this case will grow exponentially over the next couple of weeks. On this same day, on February 23rd, the Indiana State Police announced that the FBI has taken over the tip hotline. Well, let's get right back to this case after this quick beer break. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. 
Millions of people pass go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer. Thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like calorie smart protein plus and keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. 
Head to factormeals.com slash true crime garage 50 and use code true crime garage five zero to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code true crime garage 50 at factormeals.com slash true crime garage five zero to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, mates. Cheers. So we're talking about the disappearance and the murder of two young girls. We have Liberty, who is 14 years old, and we have Abigail, who is 13 years old. And you might often hear both of them referred to as Libby and Abby. These are best friends. They're dropped off near the Monin High Park Bridge, and they disappear. They find the bodies just the day later and announce the day after that it is, in fact, the bodies of the two young girls. Now, where we're at on the timeline here, this brings us up to Tuesday, February 28th. By this time, police have received close to 10,000 tips. The reward money is now $100,000. But police are also saying, despite rumors, that they have not made any arrest in connection with the deaths of Liberty and Abigail. Police asked the public not to jump to conclusions or to spread rumors on social media because there was a lot of questions involving their deaths. There's, like the captain had said earlier, not a lot of information that's being released as far as the investigation and details of such. But we do have some evidence that's coming out. Mm -hmm. We're having this information that's collected from uh, Liberty's phone. Correct. And what we have so far is we have a picture that we can assume is maybe taken from a video or a Snapchat. We're not really for sure. Mm -hmm. And we have an audio clip, a very small one, saying down the hill, looped. And again, we can assume that there's more audio information on our phone. Again, now with the phone, we don't know if the phone was recovered or if this information was recovered from the cloud. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, on Wednesday, March 1st, this is when the Indianapolis Colts, they donated $97,000 to bring the reward money to $200,000. That same day, the grandparents of Abby Williams, they leave a an emotional note at the police headquarters that it mm-hmm. expresses their gratitude for those involved in the investigation and those investigating the case. The, we we don't need to go through all of the donations um, because for the next few days, we'll, we'll continue to see local companies donating money. But one thing that was interesting was we also had a donation from the Lowe's company. That's the, the home improvement do-it-yourself store. Mm-hmm. They donated 1,000 orange light bulbs to the residents of Delphi. And they did a campaign called Light Up Delphi. You know, everybody would install these orange light bulbs on their front porch lamps to, you know, as a tribute to Abby and Liberty. Um, and I saw pictures of, of that light up Delphi and it was a pretty cool memorial that the whole city was able to take part in. All right. So where are we at on this timeline? On March 9th, Mike Patty, he's the grandfather of Liberty. Um, he will speak to the media for the first time since the deaths of Libby and Abby. He thanks the community for outpouring of support and says that he believes tips will help solve this case. Well, we have this individual, like we said, the picture. And there's an interview that I heard by by a local man and the sheriff. Mm -hmm. And both of them in the interview, which I thought was interesting, and I think is kind of telling of where the sheriff might, or where the law enforcement actually might believe they're at in this scenario. Mm -hmm. They have this individual, and like I said, we have a very small town, roughly about 3,000 people. And two individuals that are on the phone. The one was a local man interviewing the sheriff, and both of them stated, "This guy I didn't recognize him." And so when you release this photo, the guy that was interviewing the sheriff was like, "Look, I was hopeful that you're going to release this photo, and we'd be able to identify this guy. It's a small town, but neither this man nor the sheriff were able to identify this individual. And like we talked about before, there's tons of." Um, well, maybe we didn't talk about this before, but there was tons of billboards across the country. Mm-hmm. I think in forty-three states. It was yeah. It was. It may have been all of the major forty-eight states, but it was something. Yeah, forty-three, forty-six. 
some odd states that they put these billboards up. There was actually one a few miles from my home. Uh, there's a major road there, and they had one, and it has a picture of both of the victims, mm-hmm. as well as the the pixelated picture, the grainy picture that we see of the suspect, along with the phone number and the email that you can submit these anonymous tips to. Which makes you wonder if law enforcement believes that this uh, individual is traveling, like right. maybe a truck driver or, or something of that nature. Yeah, maybe he wasn't local. Maybe he was somebody that fled the area after the the case went underway. All right, so let's just dive into this photo real quick. And again, I'm going to post this on uh, our Instagram, which will also be visible on the website if you don't have Instagram. So maybe you can take a look at this individual and maybe pick up some things that others aren't. So discussing the suspect, the guy in the photo, right? Um, an expert on CNN said that they suspect that this person is about five foot ten, mm-hmm. 180 pounds, with a bit of a middle-aged man's stomach punch. Um, law enforcement, their latest estimate is that the man is 40 to 50 years old. Now, I've seen the photos, in my opinion. I, I think that seems a little young to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I look at this picture now, and, and mind you, yes, this is a grainy photo, or, or pixelated might be the better word to use here. But I see... You know, I don't think they're far off. I see more like 45 to 55 years old. Mm-hmm. I definitely see the paunch, you know, the the bit of the beer belly there. Well, he's also bundled up with a coat and a jacket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He, he appears to be wearing layers of clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this could be this could be a manner of disguising himself. Um, but another reason is this might have left few areas of his body exposed. Uh, and this would be where the girls could fight back. You know, they could leave scratch marks on him when they fight back. And maybe his intention was to cover up as much of himself as he could. Right. But but regardless, remember, we said it was unseasonably warm that day. He is definitely overdressed for that day. Mm-hmm. There, he, he has a hat on of some nature. I don't know if it's a it looks kind of like a ball cap, but it could be a toboggan. Uh, also he has his hands in his pockets and, uh, it's a blue jacket with blue jeans now. And so there's a, and it looks like he's wearing a hoodie under the jacket. So definitely a little over, uh, dressed. Well, and you bring up a good point there because early in this investigation amongst the public, there was quite the debate over whether the guy was wearing a hat or not, or maybe if he just had a hoodie pulled up. Uh, covering his hair. The thing here is they actually released two pictures. Um, And in one picture to me, it looks like I'm seeing hair, you know, like almost like there's a part in the hair. Uh, And this would be, uh, what is that? Brown to to maybe dark brown hair. Yeah. Or maybe has some uh, salt and pepper. The other, the other thought was that if he was wearing a hat, uh, which this might go along with the theory that he was trying to disguise himself or cover up of as much of himself as he could, mm-hmm. um, that it, it could be a camouflage hunting cap with padded earmuffs, you know, the kind that kind of drops down over your ears on both sides, mm-hmm. and that making it hard to tell from the distance that this picture is taken. Now, one thing I've noticed, it looks to me like... Some have suggested maybe he's wearing a scarf around his neck. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that that thing catches the the light, the thing that's hanging from his his neck in the and seen in both pictures, it almost looks like it could be the corner of like some goggles. You know, like the like goggles that aren't on his head, but they're kind of hanging from his neck. Yeah, I see that. Poss- possibly, yeah. One thing I want to point out here too, as we're describing this picture is there's a, a man by the name of Robert Lindsay. He's a, uh, a writer and blogger. He spent a lot of time covering this case and a lot of my research came from some articles that he has written. Uh, but law enforcement states that the guy could be wearing a fanny pack. Um, now Robert Lindsay will point out that what law enforcement is referring to as a fanny pack is actually called a deer kit. Um, Mm -hmm. this is something that would contain like knives, scissors, you know, different things for cutting up a deer after you kill it. 
Um, so Robert Lindsay is going off of the theory that the guy is possibly a hunter. Yeah. Um, well, when you see again, his hands are in his pockets and there's something on his right by his right hand side where it's either, you know, a, a t-shirt or something that's coming out from underneath his jacket. Or again, like you said, it's some kind of pack, a fanny pack or, uh, some kind of hunting pack and, and, and not the close up picture, but the picture that's a little bit further away, it definitely looks more like some kind of fanny pack. Yeah. And it, and like Robert says, it almost looks too flat to be a traditional type fanny pack to me. Again, we're looking at a picture that's taken from quite some ways away. Um, but it does look flat. If it is in fact a deer kit, I would think that Robert Lindsay might be right regarding that the guy could be a hunter because I don't think that that's something that would be common knowledge to everybody that, that such a kit even exists. Right. And we were talking earlier and I was saying that necessarily just because there's a picture of this individual doesn't mean that this individual was or a possible suspect. Now where I'm going to come back on that on is that, you know, this, this picture is coming. We can assume from Libby's phone. Mm Mm-hmm. So therefore they have to know more about this footage than we do. Yeah. Uh, and I, then my argument too is like, isn't there, wouldn't there be a better picture of this individual? Yeah. Um, now, now he's on a bridge, right? Mm-hmm. So the other thing that we kind of need to bring up is uh Snapchat, right? So we all see teenagers always on their phone, taking pictures of all these things at some point from Libby's Snapchat, she takes a picture from the bridge mm-hmm. and she takes a, now I'm assuming that she's taking a picture of, of Abby uh, of Abby and Abby's walking. It's a very interesting picture. And I think you need to take a look for yourself. This, this picture would have been released on her Snapchat account. I believe at two Oh seven PM. Um, they were dropped off at one. Mm-hmm. This thing came out about two Oh seven PM. So the thought is, you know, for at least the first hour or so of their hiking trip, mm-hmm. everything was going according to plan. Everything was, you know, it was well, a normal day out hiking. Right. And like we said, there was roughly about a four to four and a half uh, hour window. So now, now that we know that this is, you know, released about an hour into the hike, now our window's a little bit smaller. If you look at this picture that she took on Snapchat, now it's very grainy. But there's uh, on the bridge, there's these little platforms on the side. It seems like she's standing on one of the platforms. And the background, this is something that people have talked about. In the background, there's something on yeah. the other side of the tracks. There's like a shadow or a dark figure, dark spot on the picture. Well, I and I see that. I'm going to try to make mine, uh, the, the picture bigger. Because uh, I want to. I wanted to present something to you. Yeah, I, I I can see the one that you're talking about um, here. And there's a few, some people have made an argument and I think maybe a decent argument that there might be a hidden object, so to speak, in this picture. Yeah, so here's what's weird is when you start researching this case, a lot of people say, well, there's this individual that's there. Uh, I don't see that. I see these like two almost like sticks or whatever. And if you really zoom in, I'm go- I know this, I'm going to have to edit this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But basically what, what people are saying is that, is that a man that is hiding, watching Abby right, but not, on the bridge, not the, on the end of the bridge, or you were saying even possibly in the woods to the right. Yeah. There, there's speculation about both. Mm-hmm. So the dark spot you were talking about would, would put, would position this person if they're in fact there. Right. But behind these little two dark spots, what I see is two headlights and a white vehicle. That's mm-hmm. what I see. Mm-hmm. You know, now is there a dark spot? 100%. Uh, there's 100% a dark spot. Is it a mm-hmm. person watching her on the bridge? I can't come to that conclusion. It looks to me at that portion of the picture, this would be, if you're looking at the picture of Abby at home, this would be right at the start of the bridge, or maybe even just before you get to the bridge on the left side of the picture, you can see what appears to be two dark spots. Mm-hmm. Now the captain's saying he sees a possible vehicle behind the dark spots. Well, yeah, but there's two dark spots. So 
I'm not, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but two individuals standing in front of a, a white vehicle. That is certainly a possibility, but that, that portion of the picture itself to me looks like an area that might create a lot of shadows. Um, we can see from Libby walking that, uh, I'm sorry, Abby walking there that we can see her shadow to the left of her. She's mm-hmm. facing us. Her shadows to the left of her. So if, if there were trees or some kind of obstruction back there just before the bridge, they might be casting a shadow that, that we're seeing creating that dark spot leading to the bridge. The other portion that was talked about was to the right of this. Now, this would not be the entrance to the bridge. This would be in the woods to the right of the entrance of the bridge. Mm-hmm. There's a dark spot that appears near a tree or either behind a tree. I can definitely see the dark spot. Other people have pointed out that that could be a man in dark clothing standing there. Um, I, I don't see a man at all. Um, it, I, it could just be, I'd like to see a photo uh, that's taken at the same time of day on another day. You know what I mean? With similar conditions to see if there's the same kind of shadow effects or the same or even dark spots presented. Yeah. And again, just, you know, take a look at it. I mean, maybe you can add something to the conversation. I want to stay on the photo of Abby here for a minute from the, from the Instagram, uh, or Snapchat. And I, and I hate well, it's to, Libby's Snapchat. Yeah. And I hate to get all, you know, where's Waldo on you. But it, it's very interesting because there could be a clue that's hiding in this picture here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and another thing that people have discussed, and this is not the vehicle that the captain was referring to, but is there a car in this photo or some type of vehicle that is in this photo? Now, if you're looking at the picture of Abby on the bridge, okay, and I want to be clear because you, there's many different versions of this same picture. Some of them are cropped. But if you look at one that shows her feet, she's wearing some kind of tennis shoes. If you can see her feet, then you might be able to see what what I'm going to point out here. Um, that in, in the lower left corner of mm-hmm. the photo of Abby on the bridge, this would be below the bridge itself. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a vehicle there? Now, no one no one knows for sure if that's a car or not in the photo. Many people say that they cannot even make out a vehicle in that photo. I can see a vehicle in this photo. Um, but what I can't tell you is, is this some kind of illusion? Is this the trees and such? Is it the background just showing some kind of pattern that resembles a vehicle? Or is there actually a vehicle there? Now, I've been told that there is a road there, that this, is, this road would be a very little used road, and that almost no one has... You know, no, no one even really knows about this road. They've not heard about the road. It's quite hard to find. It's hard to get to. Mm, it's kind of um, like our podcast. It appears to have been a road that was used by workers uh, to maintain the bridge at some point. Um, but the new rumor going around says that law enforcement believes that the killer's vehicle was parked at a trailhead on the south side. So is it is it a vehicle? Is it the suspect's vehicle? We can't say for certain that it is a vehicle. I personally, I think I see a vehicle there. Right. I, I actually think law enforcement is talking about the vehicle that I think I see. Um, we'll actually talk about it because there was a vehicle that kind of matches that description that was impounded recently. Uh, we'll get to that later. The other interesting thing about this is, as like I said, the technology. We have no way of knowing which per, uh, which picture was taken first. Mm-hmm. So, you know, are we getting this Snapchat picture? Was that taken before uh, or after the picture of the suspect? I don't think that's common knowledge. I have to ask you a question because there's you you had stated you think that law enforcement might be talking about the vehicle you think you see, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I want to kind of back up that a little bit. You might be onto something here because if in fact, law enforcement believes that the killer's vehicle was parked at the trailhead on the south side. That's where the picture would be pointing, or the camera would be pointing, would be the po- south side, right? Possibly. The only the only problem with that is I've heard that people have said that it appears that she's walking northward on the bridge. That she's walking towards the north. If she were, in fact, walking towards the north, then the shadow of her is in the wrong place. Does that 
make any sense. It should be on the opposite side of her if she's, in fact, walking northward. Mm-hmm. However, people that are familiar with that bridge, they think that the portion of the bridge behind her is the south side. Yeah, so, and I, but I think also, depending on what camera she's using, the camera would be flipping. Well, and that's why I wanted to ask you this question, because you, you know... You have a better knowledge of cameras than I do. You have a better knowledge of Snapchat than I do. I've I've heard I've yeah. heard it suggested mm-hmm. from both viewpoints that that a camera could reverse it, mm-hmm. or Snapchat might reverse the image. Yeah, I'm I'm not a hundred percent. Let's. I don't I don't know. I just I just know that if you take a picture that's normally uh, coming, you know. Uh, the way Snapchat does it, you can flip it. Okay. So she could have flipped it. Yeah. So, but well, what, but uh, no, what I'm saying is that if you just open it up and take a picture, I don't think it flips it. Let's see. I'm going to take a picture of you. And nope, it doesn't flip it. Okay. So, so it's possible that she's walking southward if we if we are to believe the shadow or if what anybody says out there regarding Snapchat or possible the camera phone that that the image is flipped then she is in fact walking northward and we would be seeing the south end of the bridge. Yeah, I'm going to believe whoever, you know, is more familiar with that area. Well, that's an interesting podcast, you know talk about a bunch of visual yeah stuff. we got all visual there but i i would i would beg to argue it? can you see it in your mind's eye i would beg to argue that by this point um with our our listeners that they've probably seen the pictures of the man they've seen the pictures of uh of her on the bridge well and most people listen on their phone so they can kind of just listen to the podcast while they google image this stuff mm-hmm. on monday march 13th Remember the Trail Safety Task Force? This was the one that was set up to beef up security in the area. Mm -hmm. Uh, They meet uh, to discuss security gaps along Delphi's trail system, and they start making recommendations for potential changes. Now, on that Friday, the 17th, the Indiana State Police, the FBI, and Carroll County Sheriff's deputies, they serve a search warrant at the home and property of Ron Logan, who owns the property where the bodies of Abby and Libby were found mm-hmm. in February. Now, Logan is taken into custody earlier that week before they serve the search warrant, right. uh, but he's taken into custody on unrelated charges. So it's let's a DUI charge. Yeah, so let's discuss this a little bit. What, mm-hmm. He was on probation for DUI, uh, and I don't know if he's had several of them or what his history is with this, but we know he's on probation for DUI. Mm-hmm. What takes place is they are aware that he's broken the the rules of his probation. He is not to be drinking and he's not to be driving. Well, he when asked where he is that day, he's he starts telling them that he was out buying tropical fish um, and that he had to drive somewhere X amount of miles away, spent a good deal of time there and returned home with these tropical fish. Well, that puts mm-hmm. him in, in one problem. Because he is not supposed to be driving. Right. So he drove himself somewhere. And furthermore, I think they have evidence that he was actually at a bar drinking for a portion of that day as well. Mm -hmm. So he's now, not only has he violated his probation. Logan was getting his day drink on. Yeah. Not only was he violating the probation by driving by drinking, by probably drinking and driving, Mm -hmm. but it also looks like he's not been very forthcoming with law enforcement about his whereabouts or what his activities were that day. Well, he might be so drunk he can't remember. Well, in in his defense, now now he looks... (laughs) Hang on here, Captain. I'm I'm laughing (laughs) because it's... It's the guy that drinks a lot coming to the defense of a guy that drinks a lot. Well, the, in his defense, um, <laughs> he might not be sorry. F- he might not be fully cooperating with police because he's terrified of getting busted on breaking his probation charge. Well, right then and two, and then uh, look, let's let's be honest. If if you had property more than let's say a couple acres or or whatever property you have, if if individuals are found and they were murdered. 
they were murdered and they were found on your property, you wouldn't you feel protective yourself? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, why why wouldn't you believe that you're a possible suspect from the word go? Yeah, and and even when he wasn't forthcoming with police, um, we have seen him been been somewhat forthcoming with media. You know, yeah. he gave several interviews. There's there's interviews of him walking the media people around on his property. Yeah, if you if you just uh, do a YouTube search for you know uh, Delphi murders, a lot of the reports they'll have different individuals that live in the area, and you'll see this individual over and over. Yeah, and we should be clear about his property, right? You know, it's not like yes. it's not like my neighborhood where all the homes are on a plot of land that's about five thousand square feet. No, mm-hmm. he's got a big sprawling property. It's not like they found them right in his backyard, right, so right to beside speak. his house. And where these nature trails are, and where these people go hiking, it's it's not always clear. It wouldn't be clear to you and I hiking through there where the hiking trails end in Ron Logan's property begins. Mm-hmm. Friday, March twenty fourth. The authorities announced that the investigation into the teen's death will begin to look a little different in the coming weeks as they begin the normalization process in this investigation. I think that's kind of them stating to us to not expect to see additional photos or video or maybe even audio coming out within the next few weeks that they're going to it's going to be more of your traditional investigation at this point. Thursday, April 27th, the victim's families announce plans to rebuild a sports complex with several softball fields in honor of the girls, and this fundraising event will be held on July 15th. Now, regarding the investigation, you can see there's there's very little information that has come out, mm-hmm. which is which in a way is shocking because you see rarely are you ever presented with a photo of what they are telling you is the prime suspect in a double homicide. Yeah, but again, depending on what news source you get that from, some say this is the prime suspect. Some people just say, we believe this individual was on the trail roughly around the same time as them. Mm-hmm. My issue with it is you got to know where that, they got to let you know where that photo is coming from. Right. Because is that, because to this day, I still I'm not 100 percent sure that is coming from her phone. Well, it might not. It might not. But but we if we go off of the announcements and the press conferences that they have made, the statements mm-hmm. that they have made. Now, mind you, they've been cryptic along the way. Mm-hmm. But according to those statements, they eventually say, you know, this guy goes from somebody they want to talk to to now he's the suspect. This guy okay. that we have the picture of, he's the suspect. And and furthermore, they believe that the audio they provided of us of going to, you know down the hill, down mm-hmm. the hill, that is audio that individual. is of that suspect as well. Right. And that's why I think that we, makes me wonder if it's a, there's a video at some point. Yeah, because then you can because then in a court of law you can show a video and say, see, this is these are words are coming from this individual's mouth. Yeah. And, and, and furthermore, I think what that points out is that there is additional audio and video and there's something on that audio and video that's making law enforcement make the connection between this guy just being a picture of some guy and him actually being the guy that most likely committed the crime. Now, um, you know, again, it's curious to wonder how much of, of, what they have is actual video and how much of it is just audio. And with so much, you know, little information that's coming out, like we said, it's, this is a hard one to discuss and there is a bunch of rumors and speculation and that's what we're going to have to get into in the next episode. Yeah. And I think that that's the big problem that the public is having with the investigation right now. Not so much the way that law enforcement is conducting the investigation, but because they saw a picture, because they heard audio and they have no other answers for other things mm-hmm. that it's leading to those rumors and to speculations. And of course, questions, you know, people want to know what's going on. I do want to remind everybody out there that, uh, the sheriff's office, the, uh, Indiana state police, they have, they continually remind us, um, that they, they are worried 
that because there's so much talk and there's so much going on in the public eye. And there's so much speculation. That that we might believe, us being the public, we might believe that they're very close to solving this case. They mm-hmm. could be. They could be. But they continually remind us to not believe that. We cannot think that they're close to solving the case. They still need more tips to come in. They don't believe that that one tip that they're waiting on has reached them yet. And if the public believes that they've solved it or that they're seconds from solving it, mm-hmm. maybe they never get that tip. So this is a very active, hot fire investigation going on right now. If anybody has tips, if anybody has any information at all, even even if you think it's a minute detail, please contact them. And that phone number that we said earlier is still good. That phone number is 844 844- Four five nine five seven eight six. Those calls are being manned by the FBI. You can also send email to Abby and Libby Tip at c a c o s h r f dot com. Again, that's Abby and Libby Tip at c a c o s h r f dot com. We'll put both that number and email in the show notes in case anybody needs that information. So tomorrow, what we're going to get into is some of the speculation some of the theories, some of our thoughts. We actually reached out to uh, some web sleuthers and kind of got there, got the web sleuth community involved and kind of dive into some of those theories as well. And we'll get to that on tomorrow's show. And please take a second to go look at those photos to see maybe you can bring something to the conversation. Again, Abby and Libby were only 13 and 14 years old and you possibly can help in this case. Please take a minute to do so now. Thanks for joining us in the garage. We'll see you tomorrow. And until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.